stand for the scripture reading. Um, We're in John 1, verse 1 through 14. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives the light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human. He made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And he was seen, and, and we have seen his glory, the glory of God the Father's one and only Son. You may be seated. Thank you, Allie. Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. How we doing? It's good to see you. I'm glad we're in church together. What a special day it is. Um, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at the church, and uh, I'd love to get a chance to meet you if I haven't had a chance to do that. But I do just want to say before I jump into my message that um, we're really excited. Uh, several of you, or most of you were here several weeks ago, and we announced some of the transition that was happening in our worship ministry. Uh, but today is our new worship pastor, Kristen Scott's first official day with us. And we're excited about that. We're, we're excited to have Kristen here on our team and Really just all of our team, just so blessed. I had a chance to have dinner last night and uh, with uh, just talk church a little bit and, and just, again, just reiterating how blessed we are to have such an amazing team here at the church. And so um, Kristen's just, you know, awesome herself, but joining an awesome team. So we're glad that you're here. Um, it is Christmas time. Uh, I know that we still are a little bit away from the actual Christmas day. But we decided today here at Hope City that we were going to go ahead and, and have this weekend be the weekend that we're celebrating Christmas. And then next Sunday, same times as our Christmas Eve uh, candlelight services, just traditional candlelight services. And I think they've roped Andrew and I into singing some Christmas carols again. It's a tradition that will not die. Um, Kristen's here now. Why are we singing? I don't know. But <laughs> Katie said sing, so we're singing. But, um, but we are celebrating Christmas, and just in the spirit of that, uh, you know, got to thinking about some of Christmas memories for me, and, and, you know, I started thinking about, you know, family and different experiences, and started thinking about some of the great gifts I've gotten in my life, some of the worst gifts I've gotten in my life. My brother doesn't listen to my podcast, so I can tell you that my brother is just not a great gift giver. Most of my childhood, I got whatever the gas station had the, la- the night of gift giving, you know, and uh, those types of things. And so I just Googled, uh, you know, what are some of the worst gifts that have ever been received? Like that people would have the courage to go on the internet and talk about the worst gifts that they've ever received. And I got to be honest with you, these are pretty bad. Uh, maybe you've had some uh, like this. But these are funny. I just wanted to share them with you. Uh, Somebody said, you know, the first year, several years ago when Amazon 
uh, started doing the wish list thing where you could like save your gifts on a, on a list. If you don't know about this, you know, 20 years ago they did this and I would just encourage you to use it. But uh, somebody said, the first year we tried to use Amazon wish list, my parents accidentally found a list of someone else with my name. And so on Christmas morning, I opened a maternity body pillow, but I'm not pregnant. Um, Someone said, my weird uncle got me a cement block along with a small hammer and chisel and told me the gifts were inside the block. (laughs) It's pretty funny. This is awful. I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it. My mom (laughs) bought me one of those 3D posters that were all the rage in the 90s, but I'm blind in one eye. (laughs) That's pretty funny. That's great. I didn't run any of these by Andrea, so I'm, I'm going to... Um, this is terrible, but funny. My parents bought me a book called Coping with Being Adopted to break the news to me. <laughs> See, now the blind eye don't sound that bad now. Uh, this one's disgusting. I told my uncle one time that I wish I could grow a beard like him, and so Christmas that year I opened a Ziploc bag with his facial hair in it. That's pretty cool. That's not the weird uncle. So anyway, that was just funny. But I, you know, every year around this time, we can, um, we can easily spend time talking about the meaning of Christmas, you know, and uh, it's very easy for all of us, Christians, non-Christians. It's very easy for all of us to somehow, you know, sometimes lose sight of the purpose of, of why we do all this you know, why we get dressed up and why we buy gifts and uh, do dinners and, you know, uh, all the activities with the kids. And it, it's easy sometimes to kind of lose um, the sense of meaning or the reason or the motivation behind we do all that. And then even just broader than that, I think sometimes in a society or in a world that, you know, Christmas is a religious time, regardless of your religious beliefs. Um, but even, even beyond that, I think sometimes the, the messaging of society can be that the meaning of Christmas, you know, the, maybe, you know, people will say the meaning of Christmas is family. And it's not that it's not family. It's not that family's not great, but that's not the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas is not family. Or maybe they'll say, you know, the meaning of Christmas is love. You know, it just needs to be a time where we're loving and we love and love is all around and, and, and nothing wrong with love. Love is great to celebrate at Christmas, but that's not the meaning of Christmas. Maybe, you know, somebody would say, well, the meaning of Christmas is giving. Maybe, you know, that's the, um, the messaging Maybe from an advertising standpoint, you know, it's shopping or, or whatever it is. And, I, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. This is not me being, you know, defensive about, you know, taking Christ out of Christmas or anything like that. I mean, all those things are things that we celebrate at Christmas and um, things that, you know, are meaningful to us. So I'm not bothered by that, but it's not accurate. It's wrong um, because the, the, the meaning of Christmas is that God came to us. That's, that's the, the whole meaning and the whole motivation and the reason behind 
everything that we do is that God came to us. God came to us. And I know that we know that, but I wonder, like, do we know that? You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's baby, it's, a G, it's Jesus, it's nativity, it's all those things. But, I, you know, what separates Christianity from all other religions, all other faiths, all every, belief systems, philosophies, what separates Christianity from all of those other ones? And you've heard me say this so many times from this stage, but, I, but it's worth reiterating again today. What separates Christianity from all other belief systems and faiths and religions is that in, in some various different ways, all of those other ones say that if you will do certain things or obey certain things or be a certain type of person, then you could potentially, after your life is over, become godlike. Or maybe in those religions, they say that there was a human being that in some way became godlike, and that's who we worship, and that's who we revere, and that's whose teachings we follow. But only Christianity says there was already a God. And that God had such affection and such love for the human race that instead of a human becoming like a God, a God, the God, decided to become a human. Only Christianity claims that. And the motivation behind God doing that was his love for you, you and me. It's why, it's why he did it. And that's what we read today, Allie read for us in verse 14. It says, so God, or so the word, talking about Jesus, the word became human. And again, we know that, but I wanna just, just hang right there for just a second to make sure we know it. That, that God became human and he made his home among us. I love how Eugene Peterson in the message says it. He says that, and, and God moved into the neighborhood. I love that. God came and slept on my couch. That's not Eugene Peterson, that's me. But God came and slept on my couch. God decided to do all of the work, to cross all of the lines, to overcome all of the obstacles, even though they were not obstacles for him, to get to you and me. This is the meaning of Christmas. And we don't really have a category to like understand someone doing something like that for us, right? I, I jotted down some potentially like close comparisons. And these, not even close, close is not the right word. But just even trying to understand and categorize what it's like for God to decide to become like us, right? So that we could eventually become like him. It's kind of like, even though this is not it, it would be like the, the owner of wherever you work coming to you and saying, listen, I own this place. I make all the profits off of this place, but I love you so much and I want to be in your condition so badly that I'm going to sell all of my shares of the business and just become an hourly wage employee so I can be with you. Who would do that? Not your boss, right? But that's kind of what it's like. It would be like the owner saying, I'm going to sell my shares. I'm going to, get, I'm going to sell everything that I own just so I can come 
clock in and clock out with you, right? Or, or it would be like, uh, you know, around this time of year when a celebrity goes to like a homeless shelter or, um, you know, serves food at Thanksgiving, football players serve food. It, it would be like, instead of just going and serving food, them saying to the people, listen, I love you so much and I care about you so much and I wanna be with you so badly that I'm going to get rid of everything that I have and I'm gonna give up my career and I'm gonna give up my millions and I'm gonna give up my houses and I'm gonna give up all of my toys and I'm gonna give up all my stuff and I'm gonna come live on the street with you. Who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody does that. And... This is what John 1.14 is saying to us when it says that the word Jesus, God, and he didn't just originate as a baby. He had been around forever. We read that this morning, that God in the Trinity, the form of Jesus, decided to be the business owner who would be willing to sell the business to be an employee with you, to be the celebrity who would be willing to give up everything to sleep on the street with you. This is what Jesus was willing to do, to give up, Philippians 2, to put aside being God, to put aside being God so that he could come and be like you and be with you and to know what it feels like to be you. And so he became like you so that eventually you would be able to be like him, that we could become, John tells us, the children of God, children of God. And so what I want to do for just a few moments today is I want to talk about this idea. We read it a couple of times in this verse, uh, verses that Allie read for us today, but I want to just, the, the, the thing that's been rolling around in my head is, is the idea of light, light, L-I-G-H-T, light. Because obviously Christmas is a time where we think about light, and, and, and throughout Christmas verses, the traditional Christmas verses, Luke and John and Isaiah, throughout the Christmas verses, there's this theme that just keeps reoccurring over and over again about light. He's the light of the world. He's light in darkness, light, light, light. It shows up uh, all over the place. I'll just read a couple of verses to you again that Ali read for us. In verse five, it says, the light, talking about Jesus, shines in the darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, Jesus, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, Jesus, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone was coming to the world. So there's obviously something there about light that is important for you and I. Isaiah 9, 2, the famous uh, passage maybe you're familiar with at Christmas time that talks about that the government shall rest upon his shoulders. There should be wonderful counsel. It's Isaiah a little bit later down in nine. But at the very beginning in two, it says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. It wasn't just talking about you and me in the future. It was talking about when Jesus would show up, you know, 2,000 or so years ago for those people. But it says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light for those who live in a land of deep darkness. A light will shine. So what does this mean? Why would, they could have used any metaphor. They could have used any analogy. They could have compared it to anything, described it in any way. But over and over and over again, we see light, light. Light, which is one of the reasons, by the way, we do Christmas lights. Maybe you know that, the tradition that goes way back. Um, what does that mean, that Jesus is the light? Well, becoming a Christian 
I don't know that most of us, many of us in the room are Christians, but not everybody in the room is a Christian. So maybe you don't know this, but becoming a Christian is described in the Bible in a lot of different ways, from death to life and um, different ways like that. But one of the ways that it's described is it's like being blind, but then being able to see. This is one of the ways that the Bible describes what it's like to be a Christian. That before you are a Christian, you're blind. Now, you don't know you're blind, but you, you only know you're blind after you can start seeing. But after you become a Christian, you would say, let me tell you what my life was like. I was blind, but now I can, I can see. And, that, and it's similar, this, this idea of seeing, that, that all throughout the Bible, that, that becoming a Christian, whether it's from blind to sight or whether it's darkness to light, and even some other examples, that becoming a Christian is like being able to see what you could not see before. This is one of the ways that, um, one of the things that it means to be a Christian. And so as you think about light and you think about Jesus being the light, it, it has a few implications for us. The first thing that it means is that the world is a dark place. That's not necessarily encouraging for us this morning. But, it, but, it, but we have to start there, that if Jesus needed to come to be a light in the darkness, then that means that without Jesus, the world is dark. That means that your life without Jesus is dark. The world is a dark place. And sometimes that darkness is very tangible. Sometimes that could be an, a felt presence of evil or uh, some demonic dark thing. That is a very real thing. But even if it's not that, it's just it's just darkness in our lives. It's, it's the recognition that without Jesus Christ, we are stumbling around in the dark, right? And so with the, the, the world, society, culture, education, your friends, give us all different ways to try to combat this. Give us all different ways to try to not feel as if we are um, in, in the dark, one strategy would be to distract yourself, you know, to not think about it. So just go and do as many things as you can do to be as fun and pleasured and, and, and satisfied as you want to be because, you know, one way to not feel as if it's dark is to go engage in all these things that make you feel as if you're having fun and satisfied. But all of us who have tried that for any extended period of time would say, that there still comes these moments when you're laying in bed or when you're at the end of another binge or when you get out of another relationship or hookup or whatever it is, where there's still this darkness that settles in on you and you go, this, this cannot be the way, right? Another strategy would uh, be for, is more motivational, right? It's like rise above it. The world, is, the world is bleak. The world is dark. The world is, but you can rise above it, muster the strength and, and be better and go for it. And, and many of us have tried that strategy. You know, I'm gonna get my life together. I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be better and do more and, 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 and hustle and grind and go. But, but even those of us who have tried that strategy would have to admit that there are these times where even with all of our greatest effort, there's still this something that settles in on us. And what that something is, is darkness. It's darkness. Not because we are necessarily doing dark things, but because we live in a world that is dark. Another strategy is more noble. 
But it would say, you know what? Yes, the world is dark. So what we're going to do is we're going to do everything in our power to make it less dark. We're going to, you know, solve all the problems in the world and, and love people, to, you know, over and above and include everyone. And, and all of these things that in and of themselves are not bad things, but it's this idea or this belief that in our own power, we could overcome that darkness in the world. We can fix it. But even those of us who have tried that strategy and given all of ourselves and all of our energy to try to make the world not so dark have to admit that there come these moments when we're doing self-evaluation and we go, Is it matter, does it matter at all? Is it making any difference? Has the darkness receded at all? Is the world a brighter place in any way? Right? And so, in a way... What this is saying to us that we read today is that there comes a point in everyone's life when they come to the end of themselves, whatever the, however you get to the end, for some it's very dramatic and for some it's just plodding along, and, but however you get to the end, you, you, you get there and you're tired of walking in the dark. I wonder if that's you. Or maybe you're a Christian here today and you would say, yeah, that was my experience. And, 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 and you don't want to do that anymore. You come to the realization that, you, that life is dark and you don't like that it's dark. And this is an oversimplification, of course. But in a way, becoming a Christian is like um, when it's the middle of the night. Uh, you know, I'm, I've reached the age now where I got to get up in the middle of the night a couple of times. You know what I mean? And um, it's the middle of the night. And you're stumbling around in the dark and you're stepping on kids' toys and like running into the corner of the wall. And when you've been in like a deep sleep and you're like, you think you know where things are in the room, but, you're, but you also don't wanna wake up because you wanna go back to sleep. So you're trying to like psych yourself out and like stay asleep. You know what I'm talking about? Am I, I'm the only one. Okay, so um, in a way, in a massive oversimplification, in a way, Becoming a Christian is like stumbling around in the dark, bumping into things, trying to understand where you are. Becoming a Christian is like when you reach for that light switch and you turn it on. And, and, and you're, you, know, you, thought, you thought you knew where you were, but you realize now like, okay, now I can see where everything is at. In a way, oversimplification, in a way, that, that's, like, that's what it's like to become a Christian. That you live in a world, if you're without Jesus, that is dark and, and you're doing your best and you're educated and you're trying and you're moral and you're trying all these things, but you're, but you're stumbling around and you keep bumping into things and you, and you finally turn the lights on. And this is what Zechariah meant in Luke 2 and he prophesied and he said, in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. That the dawn from on high is gonna break upon us and it shines on us and it guides us, right? And so becoming a Christian is the supernatural moment when you feel like the lights come on. Have you had that? Have you had that moment? Have you had that experience? But I need to clarify just one thing. It's just an important little thing here that also becoming a Christian is not something you can do yourself. You can't actually find the light switch. I should have probably mentioned that earlier. 
Because becoming a Christian is something that happens to you. God did all the work. Jesus came and did all the work. And so becoming a Christian is something that happens to you. The dawn from on high shines on you. The the great C.S. Lewis line that I've regurgitated so many times, my daughter makes fun of me. When C.S. Lewis talking about his salvation experience, he said, I was not, it's not so much that I decided as that I was decided upon. Have you had that? Have you had a moment in your life where you felt like the lights came on? So in these verses that we read today, that Allie read for us, it says that God, the word, came and he made his home among us. He sold the business to be an employee with us. He gave up his fortune to sleep on the street with us. He moved into the neighborhood. But it says that people responded to that differently. Like even as I'm talking about it, you would think everybody would say, are you kidding me? That's unbelievable that God would do that for me. I'm all in, but that's not what it says happened. Verses 10 through 14, it tells us three different ways that these people responded to Jesus coming. And these are the same three ways that we respond. It says that some did not recognize him. It says that some didn't recognize him. They didn't know that it was God. They, 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 they were unaware that God was near them and pursuing them or that they were in the presence of God. And we, we could say, and maybe some, this is some of you in the room, we, we could say that potentially like this is, this is maybe those of you that didn't grow up religious, you didn't know stories in the Bible or anything like that. You, you maybe are here today loosely affiliated with religion in some way. And it's not that you have ever maybe all the way rejected God as much as you just don't even really know much about it. And you're, you're not maybe familiar with it. So if we were using the light analogy of stumbling around in the dark, this would be people who don't even know. It would be like living in a house your whole life that is completely dark and there's no power to the house or there is power to the house, but you don't know there's power to the house. And so you could turn the light on if you knew that you could turn the light on, but you didn't know. You don't know. Maybe that's you today. You don't even know why you ended up in a church service and you, you, you've not rejected God. You just have never even really thought about it. But here you are. Here you are. So some didn't recognize him, but it also says that some did recognize him. They rejected him. They rejected him. And so these are people who live in darkness in this house, and they know that there's power coming to the house. All they got to do is hit the light switch. They just don't want to hit the light switch. They like the darkness. They, They like the life on their terms. And for some of you, this is your story. I love that you're here. Of all the categories of people that could be in church today, you're, you're my favorite. Because over and over and over and over and over again, I meet people who have all of these well-thought-out reasons that they don't want God. And in a moment, with God and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, all your reasons go out the window. I love that. But we'll just end with this. John said that there were some who uh, didn't recognize him. Maybe that's you. There were some who rejected him. Maybe that's you. But there, there were those who did believe and accept him. 
And to those, John said, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. And I, I hope you've had that experience. I hope you felt as if the lights have come on in your life. I hope that you can look back on your life and see and know what life was like before Jesus and see the difference now. It says that those, are, those who believe and accept, they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Yes, he came as a baby. We celebrate that these weeks during this, this time. But he didn't stay a baby. He became a, a man who was without sin, died on the cross, resurrected from the dead. And believing in Jesus is not so much about your brain as it is your soul. Feeling as if what was dark has now become light. Feeling as if what was blind now has sight. And it's not just becoming a better version of yourself and it's not just trying really hard and trying to be a better person. Belief in Jesus supernaturally rebirths you. You're reborn into a new person. You become alive. And so it's not so much that you have a choice to live life without Jesus or live life with Jesus. It's really the difference between being alive and not being alive at all. But so in a way, John is saying that every person who has not believed and accepted Jesus is like one of those mannequins in the mall. They just don't know it. But when we recognize that there is a God, the God, the God of the universe, who cared about us and loved us enough to sit aside the qualities of being God, to come and to be with us, to sleep on our couch, to be an employee with us, to sleep on the street with us. He came and he did that. When that gets a hold of your heart, it doesn't make you want to just get a list of 10 things to try harder to do. It changes who you are completely from the inside. And, and the light comes on. And so my prayer for you this Christmas season, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe you have reasons that you've walked away from your faith, or maybe you're a Christian, but it's just been a stretch here where you're not even sure you're discouraged about where you are in your faith. My, my prayer and my hope for you is that the light would come on, that the light would come on, and that all of the great things that go with this season, man, have a blast with those. But I pray that throughout these next few days or weeks that there would be some times, some moments where you would remember that the reason that we're doing all this, the reason that we have our eternities are secure, the reason that we are who we are is because God decided to become like us so that if we believe in him, one day we'll get to be like him. We're going to pray, have the opportunity to take communion together. And that's our opportunity today. When we come and take the bread and dip it in the juice, we, we get to be reminded that he came to us. That we don't have to strive and scrape and claw to get to him. He came to us. There'll also be some prayer uh, team volunteers down front that would love to pray with you about anything that's happening in your life. You can come down and do that while we're taking communion and we'll continue to worship together, okay? Let's pray.